0: and so jesus came to upset that notion of doing as the gateway to the father's embrace see jesus came to upset that balance and he came to say that no It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you be. I hear DMX in my head right now. (laughs) I went over a lot of your heads. I'm sorry. Um, But instead, Jesus, he breaks the mold for us about what it means to find entrance into the potential and purpose of God, not by doing, but by being. And so I want to remind you of the story last week of Jesus's baptism in which the heavens opened up and the father began to speak. And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And at that particular point in Jesus's earthly ministry, he had not performed one miracle yet. And so God was pleased in his son who hadn't done anything yet. And that's good news for a lot of us in the room today, is that God is not concerned about what you do. God is more concerned about who you be. That's not good English, but it's good theology for our souls. And so I want us to, to understand that as we go about this life, that who we are is way more important than what we do. And who, here's who we are. We're sons and daughters of the eternal King of heaven, King Jesus. And he has made it possible for us not only to have our sins forgiven, but he came to teach us how to be. And so I want to point us today to what it means to be kind be kind. And that's the title of my message today is be kind. Pray with me. Father, bless us today as we seek to pursue your word and understand your word. And God, I pray, Lord, that as I speak to your people today, Lord, that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable sight, my lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust. And everybody said, amen. So, Vaughn's mother was an extraordinarily beautiful woman. And she had married an extraordinarily, uh, well, I'm going to call him ugly. He was facially challenged. She had married a facially challenged man. And when a family friend asked, how such a beautiful woman could marry such an ugly, I mean, um, facially challenged dude, right? She replied and she said, "Because listen, if you're facially challenged, you got to step your game up a little bit. I mean, you can't come the way that... Guys with less facial challenges come. You got to step your game up and do some extra stuff. But here's what she says. She says, he's never once hurt my feelings. Never once. He had to do that because he was challenged in his face. And then she says, kindness makes a person more attractive than beauty ever will. And while you're all saying amen, I want to challenge today our notion and our paradigm about what kindness is from a biblical perspective. So join me in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, while I seek to do this. Verse 12, if you don't have it uh, in your Bibles, we, we have it up here for you on the screen so that you can read it from here. And if you don't have a Bible, let us know. Like we got a bunch of Bibles that we can give away. So let us know if you need a Bible. Verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, somebody say chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, And patience. If you want to take away something from the message, here's the big idea for you. We need to reach out in love to others even when it's awkward, difficult, and doesn't fit into our schedules. See, we need to reach out to others in love even when it is awkward for our souls. We need to reach out to people in love even when it's difficult to do. And even when it doesn't fit into our schedules. See, the problem is is that everything else in our life becomes more important on our schedule than the things of God. And so, we have to pursue and reach out in love even when it doesn't fit our schedules. Hear this. Kindness is the driving force for the pursuit of our relationships. Kindness is. And as we seek to be, that's what this series is all about, we have to know that kindness is not just a practiced position, although it is. We have to practice kindness. It is not just a practice position, but it is our proper disposition. See, the world would try to convince you that all you have to do is do a bunch of random acts of kindness. The world would try to convince you and make you think that the entranceway into heaven is that you do a bunch of kind things for other people who weren't expecting it. But I want to submit to you today that kindness is not, just, uh, is not just a practice position, although it is, but it is our proper disposition. And a disposition is, watch this, it's a person's inherent qualities. In other words, it is your temperament. And so... a uh, for the reasons here that that I want to lay out for us that we're called to be the kind of peoples who are in the pursuit of Jesus's character and disposition is this number one, our unity in Christ calls us to kindness. It's our unity in Christ that calls us to kindness. Join me in 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 verse number 12. And if you've been reading the Bible, as long as I've been reading the Bible, when you see this word in the scriptures, you get excited. Therefore. See, when you see therefore in the scriptures, you, you, you're probably a little bit relieved because at this point, the writer has been talking about some stuff that you probably don't understand. Like Paul's been writing and he's been laying out all these high theological truths and he's been talking about stuff and using words like propitiation and all types of stuff. And you don't know what the heck he's talking about. But then he gets to this portion of the scripture and he says, therefore, see, therefore, let you know that you about to understand some stuff like therefore, let you know that it's about you. It's about to be clear to you what he wants you to do and what he wants you to be. And so now you're clear about this. So here it is. Therefore, kindness, he tells us, is the result of being a renewed person. See, the therefore explains everything that came before it. So verse 10, he says, and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Verse 11, In Christ, there is no Greek and Jew, no circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, no slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. I'll add no black, no white, no Hispanic, no Asian in Christ. All he is all and in all. So what this means for us is this, is that our unity in Christ calls us to kindness. The reason why we get to be kind, the reason why we're called to be kind is because we've been united in Christ. And so we can have a room like this where there's a bunch of different people from different ethnicities and backgrounds who gather together underneath the banner of loving God and loving the word and living woven with one another so that we can pursue after Christ and his calling in our lives so that we can walk in the unity of kindness that he's called us to walk in. And kindness is the result of a renewed mind. I'll submit this to you. That only those who have been united with Christ have the ability to truly be kind. See, the world wants you to do acts of kindness. The world wants you to pay for people's uh, fast food behind you in the car. Like, you pay. I'm going to pay for their food and just be random. And they pull off and they never know what happened. Somebody paid for their lunch that day. Like, that's what the world would try to tell us to do. And that's fine. All all that stuff is good. But remember, I want to challenge today what our paradigm of kindness is from a biblical perspective. And so, as we look at this, I want you to understand. I want to make a delineation between some things. Kindness is not the same as being nice. See, being nice is when you are polite to people and you treat people well. We all know nice people. Some people are too nice, right? They're just nice, nice. And it's like, why are you being so nice? Because you're not really that nice. Like, you're just being nice to me for whatever reason. I can't understand. You're just being too nice. And so we all know people like that. They're just nice, nice. Hey, Jim, how's it going, buddy? And then you'd be like, what? I don't like Jim. I don't know why I don't like Jim, but Jim just gives him my nerves. But being nice is when you're polite to people and you treat people well. But being kind is when you care about people and you show your care for them. So here's what I mean. I want you to understand this. Sometimes you can be kind to someone even when you aren't being nice to them. I had a few more amens in the first service than that. Sometimes, you can be kind to people even though you aren't nice to them. We know people like that. Sometimes, though the transverse is this, is that you can certainly be nice to somebody and not be kind to them. It is possible. Listen, sometimes, you know, you ever been to the grocery line and like they're smiling at you, Right? And they're just like, thank you, but they're slamming your stuff, like, in the bag. <laughs> <It's> like, 4287, <laughs> and they're just smiling at you, but they just keep throwing your stuff in the bag, and you're like, that's my pickles. Like, you're about to break my pickle jar. Like, what's going on? And you don't know what's wrong with them, but they're being really nice to you on the surface. They're showing you signs of niceness, smiling. Their inflection and tone communicates that they're being nice, but there's something going on in their heart that's affecting their actions. And so listen, here's what I, here's what I know. The word for nice comes from a Latin root word, which means to ignore. You see, it's nice to mind your own business. That's nice. But how many times have you watched as somebody you know has destroyed their own lives and the lives of the people around them and you haven't said a word to them because you're minding your business? And see, we can't just settle for being nice to people. That doesn't do it. We have to walk in what it means to be kind to people. See, again, the the word nice comes from a Latin word, which, which means to ignore. And we're very good at ignoring the things that we should pay attention to. More than that, we're very good at ignoring the people that we should be paying attention to. And that's why we can find ourselves in situations where we're walking past people and we know that there's something that they're in need of just by the disposition of their face and we'll say hello to them, but we won't stop and ask them what's going on with them and if there's anything that I can do to help you. Because we're good at being nice. Because we're good at ignoring the things that we should pay attention to. But here's what I want to submit. Kindness would suggest... That you step into their life situation and speak truth to them, even though it ain't your business. See, kindness knows that even though it's not my business, it's a kingdom issue, and I am a kingdom representative, so I'm going to speak up about the things of the kingdom and about the things of God, and I'm going to call you to something that you may not necessarily be ready to be called to. You know, we don't realize how our nicety in minding our business, it has an adverse effect on the kingdom and testimony of God. So when we're just nice, we let stuff go. But when we're kind, we step into some stuff, even though it might be uncomfortable, even though it might be difficult, but we step up and we communicate, hey, bro, you've been talking to your wife a little bit crazy, and you know what? It's making the rest of us uncomfortable. I need you to stop it. See, whoa, you're going to mind your business, man. Like, that ain't none of your business. Yes, it is. If it affects the community of God, and if it affects the, the kingdom of God, then guess what? It's my business. And so, we've got to have a different perspective about what it means to be kind instead of just being nice all the time. Don't be nice and mind your business. Be kind and be about kingdom business. And so, listen, for the purposes of our discussion, niceness, because we're learning about what it means to be, niceness is about doing. Doing. But kindness is about being. Hear this. Passage says, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. See, the problem is this. Oftentimes we look at the people who are giving us kisses as the people who are our friends. Sometimes we look at the people who are giving us kisses as the people who actually love us. And what I mean by kisses, I ain't talking about people just kissing you on your face all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the people who always, all all they ever do is give you Accolades. I'm talking about the people who all they ever do is give you praise. I'm talking about the kind of people who all they ever do is make notions at you, but they don't, they don't ever walk with you in a way that calls for you to have to examine yourself and look at yourself more clearly. Here's what it looks like to get kisses. Matthew 26 and 49. It says, going directly to Jesus, speaking of uh, uh, Judas Iscariot, it says that he said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. See, everybody who kisses you ain't for you. And everybody who only sings your praises isn't being kind. That's not what kindness is. Everyone who is nice to you isn't allowing you to truly be. See, nice friends will leave you to your own devices. I say, you know, man, I know, I know, John, man, John just—that's just how John is, man. Like I, that's just what he do, and I'm gonna leave him. You know, like I—I I would say something, but you know, John is just, man. That's that's how he is, you know. And so, when we don't accurately see the difference between niceness and kindness, we'll allow people to go after their own devices. But a kind friend, hear this: a kind friend. Will let you know about yourself so that you can truly become who God is calling you to be. See, remember I said that this is an invitation to being. Last week I said that an invitation to be is an invitation to becoming. See, we are becoming who God has called us to be. But here's the beauty of that. We are becoming what we already are. See, we are becoming something that we already are. See, that's my next idea is this, is that our status in Christ calls us to kindness. Verse 12, he says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, that's our status we are God's elect. Holy and dearly loved. That's who we are. We are his chosen ones. We are dearly loved and we are holy and set apart for him. And so as we walk in what it means is, as we walk in our status in Christ, it calls us to kindness. See, there's a there's an old saying that says you've got to be cruel to be kind. And I, I don't all the way agree with that. I do understand that sometimes not being nice is the kindest thing that you can do for people. See, we live in a culture where everybody wants us to be nice all the time. We're just never to say anything that's not nice. We're never to think anything that's not nice about people. Like, we're never to have opinions about people that aren't nice, even though they're just opinions. Like, it's it's only an opinion. But so we're never allowed to have anything that's not nice. But what happens is, is that we allow people, and we just watch people walk off cliff after cliff after cliff after cliff, and we just watching them fall over the cliff into the hole, and we don't say anything because we're being nice. But the Bible doesn't call us to that. The Bible calls us to kindness. Here is Psalm 141. He says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness to me. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. And let my head not refuse it. So what what, what the writer of the psalm is saying here, he's saying that if a righteous person is to strike you, guess what it is? It's a kindness to you. In other words, if a righteous person says something to you that you may not necessarily like, instead of getting offended by it, then you ought to try to receive it as oil for your head. And see, oil in this context had curative had, had, had properties to it, and that when people would put oil on you, it was a sign that you were being healed of something. It was a sign that you were being purified for some from something. So when we allow the words of rebuke, and when we allow the striking of righteous people to come on us, and we don't take it as an offense, but we receive it as something that's oil for our souls, then guess what? That's when we'll be able to truly be. So, you ever been in a situation where you had to challenge somebody about this stuff? And their response is, you weren't nice to me. What they're really saying to you is, is that you didn't ignore the things that they wanted you to ignore about them in order for them to continue to do the stuff that they want to continue to do. That's what that means. That's a lesson I had to learn early on. Like, I would would be like, man, when I was first Christian, I was like, man, Christian's supposed to be nice. Like, he's supposed to be nice. And when somebody was challenging me about something, I was like, well, he wasn't very nice to me. I don't really got to listen to him. And I had to kind of find out that, guess what? You know what? He was being kind to me. He wasn't necessarily being nice, but he was being kind to let me know about myself. And I had to grow, and I had to man up and actually pick up myself, my stuff, and try to figure out how I could put the pieces back together of what he just crumbled off. Like, he just made me crumble into a a pile of nothing because I thought he was supposed to be nice to me all the time. But then this stuff happened, and he communicated, and I was like, oh, okay, well, if I just take this piece and put it back together. Although I might look like I'm cracked and although I might look like I'm a broken vessel, God uses broken vessels and he uses things that are being put back together and he builds them back and he uses them and guess what he does? He drops his light on the inside of them, and then from his light then the light will shine out of the cracks that is inside of your soul and guess what? When you're cracked up and you're broken, it's okay. You gotta allow the people of God to be able to strike you and bruise you and allow you to be broken sometimes and it's okay if you're not all the way fixed all the time. It's all good if you're not. God still uses broken pots. And so we got to understand that. And we got to see that clearly. Because kindness, this is my last point, is kindness is something that we got to be clothed in. Here he says verse 12. He says, therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion. That phrase, to put on, it means to be clothed in something. So what Paul is arguing here to the Colossians, and he's saying to them, as a result of your status and your unity in Christ, put on or be clothed with kindness. See, kindness is a word that means moral goodness, integrity, or usefulness. And see, the challenge with niceness is that it's not useful to anyone. So, you could be nice all day long. It's not useful. That's why you'd be nice to people and they still walk away from you and treat you bad. And you think, oh, I was being nice to them. Why would they still treat me like that? Because niceness isn't useful. It's not useful. Kindness is useful. Kindness will let them know, hey, listen, hold up. I don't like the way you're talking to me, and I don't like the way you're treating me. I want you to think about that, and I want us to come back and have a conversation about how we could do this differently. Guess what? When you walk away from that conversation, they don't treat you the same. Because it's useful to be kind. It's useful to speak up. It's useful to proclaim what God says to proclaim. It's useful. The original language suggests this. It suggests that as we put on things, it says that we are endued with with compassion. It means that we are empowered with compassion. We are empowered with kindness. So, in other words, the, the, the language suggests is that we put on, watch this, a heart Of compassion we put on a heart of kindness we put on a heart of humility we put on a heart of gentleness we put on a heart of patience and your heart is the seat of your motivations that's why when you consider your heart and you examine your heart it will change the way that you deal with people See, the world will tell you to follow your heart. Just trust your heart, you know, all that stuff. They say, listen to your heart, right? But if your heart is broken, like the scripture says, it's, it's, it's deceitful above all things, right? It's desperately wicked, right? If your heart is broken, then how can you trust the direction of your heart? Here's what happens in Christ, though in christ you get a new heart so now your heart looks like one that's filled with compassion now your heart looks like one that's filled with kindness now your heart looks like one that's filled with humility and gentleness and now your heart is one that can deal in patience with people even when it's difficult to walk with them so look at this the doing because remember for the purpose of our conversation Niceness is doing, but kindness is being. So, the doing of niceness would say, don't talk to people like they're kids. We use that colloquialism, right? Especially white people. We are like, don't talk to me like I'm a child. (laughs) That's what we say. Don't talk to me like I'm a kid. I'm grown. (laughs) You go over to a house like I did. You ain't grown until you pay no bills amen. I agree with that. That's a word from God. <laughs> I used to think I was grown and I would not pay no bills. Now I pay bills and I'm like, Phew, can I not be grown? Like, can I, can I be a kid again? Like, shoot, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> but we say that. We say don't talk to me like I'm a child, right? And we use that colloquialism as if it's, as if children are designed to be talked to aggressively. Kids aren't designed to be talked to aggressively. But a heart of kindness, right? The doing of kindness would suggest this. Talk to people like their children. See, here's what I want you to understand. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. How can Jesus talk to Peter like that? Jesus got hair that's flowing and <laughs> light blue eyes. How can he talk to Peter like that? that Doesn't make sense. He's supposed to say, "No, Pe- now Peter, listen, Peter. It's it's all right, Peter. It's I know you're trying to stop me from going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world, but it's okay. Like, no, no it's fine, Peter. Don't worry about it. No, nah. it's not Jesus." In most pictures, we see him carrying a lamb. He's walking around with a lamb in his arms, petting the lamb. (laughs) Like, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus told this joker, get behind me, Satan. Back up off of me. You ain't going to stop me from doing what my father commanded me to do. You better get up out of my face. You're a hindrance to me. And we got to call some people and let them know that right now you're a hindrance to me and I need you to back up off of me and get up out of my face. And that's godly. It's kind. It is. But the challenge is this. What do you do when you got to tell them that they're the hindrance to their own lives? See, we got to tell some people you're getting in your own way we got to have the kindness and conviction enough to to tell people that you're the reason why you're always jammed up in situations that you're jammed up in. It's you. The reason why you always ask the people for $20 here and $30 here, and listen, I need help my water bill this month, and this is because you ain't properly do a budget. And we got to be able to tell them, listen, God calls you to deal with your money in a different way. That's why you got to come to Financial Peace University on September the 11th. Plugmaster, that's me. Plugmaster, I got you. <laughs> but it's the truth: People will find themselves in situations where they're a hindrance to themselves, And niceness will say, "I don't really want to say anything." Off another cliff. We just watch him. That's not the kindness of God. The kindness of God will put the lamb down to the side and grab the lion and say, Listen, Joker, I need you to see more clearly about what's going on because, yes, he's a lamb, but he's also a lion and he will roar and he will speak truth in the midst of adversity. He will speak truth to life. We need Jesus, the lion. The lamb is great. It's good. I'm thankful for the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. I'm I'm so grateful. But I like the lion too. The lion can step on somebody's neck. <laughs> <You> can, listen. <laughs> but here's the question I want to ask. Watch this. When Jesus Turn to Peter and say, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Was Jesus being mean? Y'all scared to answer that question. (laughs) Was Jesus being mean? No, he wasn't being mean. In fact, I would argue that Jesus didn't have the capacity for that, he was always full of compassion. He was always full of kindness. He was always full of humility. He was always full of gentleness. He was always full of patience. So he didn't have the ability to be mean. He wasn't being mean to Peter. But he was calling Peter to something that Peter wasn't able to see on his own. And that's what kindness does. See, Jesus had compassion and mercy on Peter, so he displayed the kindness of God to him by telling him that he was a hindrance to him. Jesus had a mission, and he told him, in the passage, he told him, he said, listen, I'm getting ready to go and die, but don't worry, I'll raise after three days. And Peter's like, may it not be so, Jesus? Like, trying to be, like, all extra, because Peter was extra all the time, like, not my savior. Like he's like ripping his shirt off and all this stuff like that. Cutting people's ears off. Oh, like. So Jesus had to look at him in his passion and have compassion on him and tell him, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes you got to calm people's passion down because they'd be passionate. They'd be ready to go and you got to show compassion to them and say, hold up, bring it down. Jesus displayed humility to him, to Peter, because humility means lowliness of mind. That's what humility means. And so Jesus displayed humility because he desired to do the things of God instead of the things of man. Jesus didn't talk to Peter that way. Because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from doing something that Jesus wanted to do. That's not what happened. Jesus talked to Peter that way because Peter was trying to impede and be a hindrance to Jesus from doing something that the father had commanded Jesus to do. And so when you take your opportunities to speak the way that Jesus spoke and to use that kind of language with people, it better be because of something that is hindering the will and purpose of God and not the will and purpose of Derek. Like it better be something like that. And so Jesus showed humility by calling Peter. He's showing Peter kindness by calling him out on the ways in which he was allowing Satan to use him got to call people out on the ways they let Satan use them. Because Satan be using people. We got to call them out. Don't let Satan use you like that by thinking negatively like that. Think positively. Think on the promises of God. Like speak life into your into your situation. Stop speaking death all the time. Like you just talking negative. Don't do that. We got to be humble enough to do that kind enough. Jesus was gentle with Peter. I know y'all like was he? (laughs) But he was gentle with Peter because in the next verse, he offers all the disciples the opportunity to deny themselves in order to follow Jesus. See, Jesus was meek, but he could have told Peter, get behind me, Satan, and then made Peter sit down, like, and never get up again. Like, Peter had been just sitting there in the corner, like a kid, like, just, just Jesus told me don't get up. You <laughs> could have hit him with leprosy or something like that. Could, something could happen. I believe that. Listen, keep not, keep, keep hindering the things of God. Like, God, listen, he, he's going to, he's going to fulfill his purposes with or without you. With or without you. So you better hope is with you. But Jesus showed meekness here. That's what the word for gentleness means. And meekness is strength under control. See, sometimes you can say stuff to people that's not necessary for you to say, or that's necessary for you to say, but you're holding on to it because you're, you're, you're displaying strength under control. And so this word for meekness is a word that was used of Roman war horses. And those Roman war horses, they would trample you like they, they were strong. This word of meek, for meekness is, is a word that you, was used to define them. And that's what we have to be. We've got to be strength under control. Like, yeah, I could, I could, I could do some stuff right now, but I'm going to show kindness to you, and I'm going I'm to point to you the ways in which you you are living according to God's standard. I could punch you in the mouth, but I'm going I'm to show you the ways in which you, you, you haven't been doing and you haven't been living in the way that God's calling you to live. So We've got to be meek. So I want you to note this that in the verses that precede precede, I'm sorry, precede, not proceed, precede Peter was praised by Jesus He was praised by Jesus for his confession of Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. He was praised by him. In the same chapter he's called Satan like, how does that work? In chapter 16, Jesus praised him. He said, truly, that, that, that the spirit of God has revealed this to you. And then later on, a few verses later, he says, get behind me, Satan. I want you to note that because in some instances, you can be doing all right, but then you can be doing bad. And in the next minute, you need the kindness of correction in your life, When before, you were the one giving out the kindness of correction. And so you've got to see yourself in, in the way that God sees us is that we are always in need of shaping. We are always in the need of becoming what God has called us to be. We've never arrived to what God has called us to be. We are always on our way there and heading in that direction. And so we need the continual process of being pursued by others and living woven so that we can find freedom in this life. That's why you need to go to community groups on September 11th. let start at 7 p.m. Go on the church center app. And find a group. That wasn't even a plug. I just was letting you know that one. (laughs) Then last, Jesus was patient. Jesus was patient. And here's what patience is. Patience is endurance and perseverance. And kindness will, will cause you to endure through challenging times with others in order to see them be formed into the image of Christ and find freedom from the blind spots and struggles that they have in their life. And so, as we seek to be kind, we must pursue kindness with the measure of Jesus' kindness and not human nicety. Say, human nicety will only get you put so far. But the kindness of God, which he's called each and every one of us to be, He's calling us to be kind. We need a different paradigm for that. But he's calling us to be kind. It will allow for us to be all that God is calling us to be, if we would just be kind. I'm close with this. Mamie Adams. She she went to the branch post office in her neighborhood because the postal employees were very friendly, and so she went there to buy stamps. Just before Christmas, one year. And the lines were ridiculously long. And so someone pointed out to her, being very nice, and said, Listen, there's no need to wait in the line because there is a stamp machine in the lobby and there's no one standing at the machine. You can go and get your stamps right away. They were being very nice. But Miss Mamie, she replied, and said I know but the machine don't ask me about my arthritis and so we've got to be the kind of people who will show the kindness enough to care about people's arthritis we've got to care about people's spiritual arthritis and look at them and say listen you look like you're having some difficulty can I help you to navigate and walk throughout this life We've got to look at people with the kindness of God and see their spiritual arthritis and let them know that God has the answer for the thing that is inflaming their lives. Oftentimes, it's pride that's inflaming our lives. Oftentimes, it's doubt that's inflaming our lives. Often, it's anxiety that's inflaming our lives. But we need to show the kindness of God. They care about people's spiritual arthritis. That machine, it'll give you some stamps, but it can't care about you. And God is calling us as His people. Stop giving out stamps to people and actually care about them. We're good at giving out stamps, we're good at passing out bills, we're good at doing that kind of stuff. But when it comes to actually caring about people, and being there for them, we often miss the mark. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering about this kindness that I'm talking about. And I want to submit to you the greatest kindness that has ever been shown to humanity on the earth. And that was the kindness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune God, leaving the comforts of heaven and coming down to be born and to live a perfect life and die in our places. Scripture says greater love has no man than this. Kindness is what propelled Jesus to die for us. And if we are to live with the same kind of kindness, we need to be empowered by the Spirit of God. So maybe you're here today and you're not sure, you're wondering, like, how can I get some of that kindness? People have been mean to me. People have hurt me. In fact, I'm the reason for a lot of the pain in my life. But Jesus wants to set you free today. The scripture says that who Christ has set free is free indeed. Won't you be free today? Jesus wants to set you free from the things that bind you. He wants to set you free from your brokenness. He wants to set you free today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you want to walk with Jesus, but you just don't know how, that's okay. We will walk with you and help you to take some next steps towards doing that. But the first step starts with you. The first step starts with you saying, you know what? I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I don't know how that looks. I'm not sure about what that means. I want to be in relationship with him. And I got a whole bunch of people in here that will attest to you that relationship and being in a relationship with Jesus is the best relationship that you can have. Father, we thank you that you gave your life for us and that it was the greatest act of kindness that the world has ever seen. And so, God, I pray today that anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they might be hit with the kindness of God, that they might be struck by your overwhelming kindness towards them and that you gave up yourself for for them. And Lord, I pray that we would come to understand and know that in your kindness, you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, you'll never turn away from us. It's in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, that I pray with thanksgiving in our hearts, knowing that you will do everything.